0: So, quick review. This is part three. Part one, we talked about uh, two different kinds of times, and I want to say this. There's many different kinds of times, okay? But we talked about Kairos and Kronos, which is, uh, Kronos time is lineal time. is where the word chronograph comes, which is, you know, the one that doesn't stop and it just continues to go on. And so, we have Chronos times, and then we have Kairos times, which is when... Uh, Moments and times of divine opportunity and divine favor meet and collide, and we call those God times or harvest times. And so we said that the better stewards of Kronos, lineal time, the better stewards of lineal time we become, the more Kairos moments, times of favor and divine opportunity, we will experience. Right? Whoever is faithful in the little, which is Kronos, will be made ruler over much. Kairos, the God times, the ones that are eternal, the ones that go into eternity, and then we talked about also how you can touch um, the mundane with kingdom and turn it into eternal, right? In in our mundane-looking lives, everyday work, going here and there, and grocery shopping, and whatever it is that you do, you can turn those into eternal moments if you're being a good steward of your time, instead of letting time just drag you around like a rag doll, you know, saying, go here, you're late here, now you're here, you don't have time for this, you don't have time for that, now you can't go to church. That's what Cronus wants to do, okay? And so, and then week two, we talked about how uh, sal- at salvation, we already did the craziest, most supernatural, wild thing you could ever do by connecting your faith to the work of the cross. And, and, and so- some, something really important about that is that if you've read the Old Testament, you know that in order for somebody's sins to be atoned for, they needed to present a sacrifice and bring it to the altar. And they were required to lay their hands on the animal... Because then their sins would be transferred onto the animal that was a sacrifice. And that's how they would be free from that sin that would cover their sin, that would atone for them, and it would be transferred to the sacrifice, and it would no longer be on them. And so we know that Jesus came to be the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God, so that there would be no more sacrifices uh, required after that, right? But none of us were there to lay our hands on Jesus. That was required. But none of us did it. So how can we participate of salvation if we weren't there physically to lay our hands on him? And we said it's our faith that connects us to that moment in the cross. And it is by faith that we're partaking of His sacrifice. And then our sins are being transferred onto the Lamb of God once and for all. And that's how we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's how we are saints. That's how we are saved. And so if you had faith to believe that you could be here 2,000 2000 years later and by faith participate in something that happened over there which was required presence, and you did it and now you're saved and that affects your whole eternity in heaven with the Lord, well, you have great faith. Because that's the word of God. That's what it says. And that's how we connect to it. So you've already done. Well, I don't want to call it time travel because then people would get confused. It's not really time traveling. But you participated in something in the past and brought it to your present to affect your today and your future and your eternity. All right. Then we also said that, no, we cannot time travel, but Jesus can. Why? Because Jesus lives outside of time. Because he created time. And the reason he created time is so that for the purpose of redemption. So things could be redeemed. Okay? So that everything wouldn't happen at once. Time and space and matter are all in continuum. All connected. All right? Scientists. (laughs) Got it. So he said amen. All right. Right, and so your faith connects you to the power of redemption. Jesus can travel in time because he—he he is not shackled by time. He owns time. He can do whatever he wants. He can go wherever he wants in time. Okay, um, and uh, and so, anyways, that was uh, that was what we talked about last week and the week before. Okay, so if you are lost in any of that, go back on our YouTube channel and listen to, you know, both of those weeks and, and get caught up. And so today, we are starting to step into how this works, okay? And so I, I want us to have a real good grasp on on present, past, future, the work of the cross, um, and even before that, okay? Um, because what we're learning today is that when you change it there, it changes here, okay? That's the simple thing. If you're writing anything down is when you change it back there you change it here because see that was the cross and then you're here and your past is yesterday your past is when you were the day you were born you know and and right now you live in now and then tomorrow uh and and even an hour from now and even a moment from now is the future so you're just living in this moment chronos time okay and uh and so if you had faith to connect to the cross 2,000 years ago Why don't we use our faith to connect to something that happened in our childhood or something that happened, you know, uh, when we were born or something that happened in our parents' lives or something that happened, you know, uh, while we were still in the womb or something that happened a few years ago. Like, you can use your faith to connect to any moment in the past. I mean, how how many people have regrets? I mean, don't raise your hand, but... We've all had them, right? And we are thankful that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning, and we're grateful that He's that He forgives us. But when we have an understanding that, wait, we don't have to live with the sting of what happened, you know, in our past. And we and we say this all the time, right? We say, like, our past no longer determines our future. Amen. And we kind of just looking from here to the future, but kind of hopeless about what happened in the past. There's still some mess. From the past, you know, we said we cannot look at our past unless we look at it through the blood of Jesus because it was purchased by the blood, right? We can't even look at it for regrets, but can we look at it for redemption? Yes. We can look at it through the blood of Jesus. See, he purchased our lives. He purchased our past. So we don't have access to it. It's illegal for you to go back in your past And condemn yourself or others for it. Yeah. So when you remind your spouse. That's why 1 Corinthians 13 says. Love keeps no record of wrong. And so. You can't remind yourself. And beat yourself up about it. Listen. Maybe you had a past marriage. Maybe you had a, a uh, past relationship. Maybe you had a past life of crime. You know, I even gave the example of our, our friend who who was uh, sentenced to death penalty and miraculously got, you know, he, he met the Lord in, in prison and he gave his life to Jesus and then miraculously he got off you know, the death row and then uh, he got released and then He went to get a job, and they couldn't find a criminal record in his life. And you go, what? And I guarantee you, he he probably doesn't even know what happened, how it happened. But this explains what happened, because the power of redemption can go in the back, and if you change it back there, it changes today. And that is so exciting because you can't tell me there isn't places already in your mind. You have a top five or a top ten of places or things that happen in your life. You're like ready to go redeem with Jesus. <laughs> well, how come this didn't happen automatically, Pastor? I mean, we got saved. How come this didn't happen automatically? Well, let's, let's go read because there's, there's a great explanation for this. Um, and... Uh, And most of the times that question comes from uh, people who are spiritually lazy and they just don't want to do anything, any work. They're like, ah, it's by grace. Everything is by grace. Isn't it all already automatic done? Like, why do I have to do this? But that's why at Vita Church, um, we we have people who, who don't think like that. Amen? And so if you go with me to the book of Exodus... Um In the book of Exodus and we go to chapter 14 Yep, yeah, chapter 14 And we're going to read a little bit out of um Let's go over to verse 16. Okay, so this is, um, this is uh, just, just to let you know where we're at. The Israelites have been delivered from Egypt. The exodus of 2 million people are leaving Egypt. And um, they're, they're in the desert and they're coming up to the Red Sea. And now they need to cross, okay? And so they're about to get persecuted by the Egyptians and the chariots and the army, and they're coming after them, okay? And so they're in front of the Red Sea, and uh, and Moses was looking at the Lord. You know, uh, verse 13 says, But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Okay, so the people were saying stuff like, uh, why did you bring us out here in the wilderness? Now we're going to die. We would have rather been uh, slaves in Egypt than dead corpses in the desert, you know, in the wilderness. And they're all wah, wah, wah. You know, we're going to die. And, 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 you know, it's like there's no faith there. There's no faith. There's just a bunch of scared people that just got set free from 400 years of slavery. And now they're, they are they thought they were free for a moment. And now they see the, the Red Sea and there come the Egyptians and we're going to die. And we hate you, Moses, you know. And so Moses is like, don't worry, the Lord will deliver you. And then in verse 15, the Lord turns to Moses and goes, hey, why are you crying out to me? He says, tell the people to get moving, pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea, divide the waters so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will uh, charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord." Then the angel of the Lord who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of the cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and Israelite camps. Can you see this? Are you picturing this like me, like a movie? Yeah. It says as darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night, but the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night turning the seabed into dry land. Say with me, dry land, okay? So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all the Pharisees, horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces in total confusion. All right? And then uh, if we go down to um, verse 28, Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites in the sea. Not a single one survived, but the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day, and we declare that that is how the Lord will de- will, will uh, rescue the Israelites also from the hands of their enemies even today. So we just thank you, Lord, that this uh, testimony, this past testimony, Lord, is a picture of you delivering them even today in this attack in Jesus' name. And so, okay, so you get the picture, right? Here's here's something real interesting. Uh, On this one, there's some differences because we know that this trick happened twice, right? First in the Red Sea, then in the Jordan River. So this is the first one. And so people don't know anything. People are scared. There's no faith. They don't have to do anything. They've just been delivered, okay? And he raises his hand, his staff, and then it opens up. You know how amazing this is because... I love how it says on dry, they cross on dry ground, because even if the water had gone away, it would still be all yeah. muddy. muddy and mushy and like, you know what that means? It means that it wasn't just the wind that pushed them apart. It was God speaking to the H2O, even under the ground, and it was all separating, even under the ground, to make sure it was dry for them to walk on. How else you dry it? I'm telling you, God has power over space, time, and matter. The whole thing. So they cross on dry ground, right? And uh, and who knows? They probably got to the other side and they still didn't know what had happened. Okay? No faith. But then this happens again. And we go over to, um, and I want to point out also, this was the men of God doing the whole work. The leader doing all of the work. They had just come out of Egypt. Egypt represents what? Our past life before the Lord, right? When we were slaves to sin, when we were in darkness, before we were translated to the kingdom of light. Are you with me? Okay. This is why some people see tremendous miraculous power displayed in their lives when they first come to the Lord. Okay. They don't even have faith They're scared, they're confused, it doesn't even matter. Why? Because the Lord is showing his hand, his arm of strength, right? Pulling him out of that situation and showing them who he is. And he has them cross through dry land. I mean, how many of you can remember some crazy miracles that happened back when you first got saved? And how many of you have wondered so many times, why aren't those things happening anymore? huh? You're like, just this morning. I'm still confused. Well, let me show you why. You know, and, and many times we make also the mistake that just, you know, we get this idea that we just need a Moses to always lift up his his hand and open up the Red Sea for us. So, so we never learn to grow and we never take our own authority that God has given us, right, to do the same works that Jesus did. And we're always just looking for our Moses and then we end up babies our whole life and we never grow okay go with me to Joshua chapter 3 this is the the second time we have the water situation the impossible okay in Joshua chapter 3 I'm gonna start reading okay so this is they're going into the promised land Now we know that a whole generation died in the desert, the Moses generation, right? They did not go into the promised land. They didn't believe the Lord. They had a hard time. They just, they got out of Egypt, but Egypt never got out of them. And you cannot take on your promised land, your destiny, your purpose, if you still have a slave mentality. You can only take it as a child of God, as a son, as a daughter. And so uh, in Joshua chapter 3 and... um, Let's see, we're going to go into verse, well, you know what, I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, early next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove. Doesn't sound like a, like a gated community. <laughs> it says, and arrived at the banks of their Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelites' officers went through the camp. Now, I want to point out here that nobody was chasing them anymore nobody was chasing them so meaning they didn't have to cross and so many believers are not crossing into the promised land because nobody's chasing them when you were in the kingdom of darkness you knew stuff was bad you knew the enemy was coming after you you could feel him right But then, you know, in the desert, he's fine with you in the desert. Okay. Uh, It says, three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Okay, so they were supposed to be watching for the presence of God to follow what? The presence of God. That's why the presence of God is so important for us. If his presence isn't going there, we don't want to go. Amen. Even if everybody else is doing it, we don't care. It says, since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. See, it's, it's the Holy Spirit presence that will take us into the places we've never been to. And so we get real comfortable in the places where we have been. These guys grew up in the desert, all of them. It was a generation that, you know, grew up in the desert. And so that was the comfortable thing. And so he's saying, watch for the presence of God, the ark. They're leading you into a place you've never been before. And they will guide you. Say, and check this out, stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. Um it says, give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. This is key. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord Lord your God says. Okay, And he starts telling him how he was going to give him the land and drive out the inhabitants of the land. Um, let's go over to verse 13. The priest... Will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season. Now, this is really interesting to me because if you remember when I talked about Kairos, Kairos is also the word used in the Bible for harvest time, for harvest seasons, which represents times of favor, divine favor and divine opportunity of the Lord. So this crossing into the promised land this day, this was a Kairos moment. It wasn't just any other day. Okay, And it says and it was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. So it wasn't a little stream. It was big, scary. Probably a lot of, a strong current, okay? It wasn't like, let's just cross the little river and, uh, no, it was it was overflowing, okay? It says, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. And so I want to point out a, a key difference here too between the first and the second time. The first time, Moses obeyed the leader, the man of God, uh, and God opened up the waters, dried the land, and then they stepped in, okay? And those are amazing moments. Those are amazing miracles, okay? But here, see, when you're going to take the promised land, where you're going to step into the things that God has called you to do, God needs you to grow up, and he needs you to start cooperating. He needs you to start... Using your faith because you were created in his likeness and in his image And so what was for a long time feeding you in the mouth now he says all right You're ready for the big leagues because we're gonna take down some giants and we're gonna take some cities And it's gonna be amazing and I'm not gonna leave you, but I need you to start doing something I need you to cooperate with me because faith without works is dead, right? And so we're in this together, okay, and so This time they have to step into the water You know, get wet and just stand there and look and wait to see what happened. And the amazing thing is that it was it was different because in this time they step in and nothing happens. Nothing happens right here in the present. Okay, something immediately started happening back at a place called Adam. Back at the place that represented the fall of men. Back at the place of failure. And God was giving us a picture that when it changes back there, it'll catch up with today. And so the flow of water wasn't like the first time that it opened right in front of them. A wall started a wall of water started forming but this this place was okay, according to my calculations if you know a better number or data on this don't you know don't be mad at me but according to my calculations this place was about 20 miles away adam was about 20 miles away from where they were crossing so they were there in the water it didn't see anything for i don't know maybe it took a few minutes i don't know but something immediately happened over there Because when it changes over there, it will change here. And so eventually, right, the wall of water that was forming over there, you know, they probably started saying the the waters go down and down and down and down. Like, oh, my gosh, it's actually happening. Why? Because it was overflowing at first, you know, and so now it's happening. And so let's continue to read. Okay, we were on verse. Okay, down at a place, away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. And so I want to suggest to you that in the same way, uh, the Lord hasn't left us and he's still working supernaturally. But the things that, that you're expecting today might not look the same as when you first got saved because the Lord is asking you to now grow in faith and grow in patience and step in Very good. Yep. and having done all to stand Amen. and believe that something back where it needed to happen, it's happening. You remember, Daniel prayed and nothing happened for days uh, it was, it was I don't know, 40-something days, I think. Or, I can't remember. but And then he comes, and he's like, hey, the moment you pray, stuff was happening. We were commissioned. We were sent. But it just, you know, we had to fight some demons on the way. And so something is happening when we worship. Something is happening when we pray. The problem is a lot of people get in the water. All right, it didn't happen. And they go away. And you abort the miraculous. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed. This is also different. As the people passed by, they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. This is so fascinating to me. See, the people in the Old Testament saw the cross. Um, in, in, a, in a picture, in an illustration, far away, far off. Noah, Moses, Abraham, David, all of them saw the cross in different ways. They had revelations of this. And I believe that's why they were able to also participate, you know, Enoch, to participate in the redemptive power of the cross, even though in the timeline of Chronos it hadn't happened yet. Their faith connected them to the Savior Redeemer. I was going to use the whiteboard, but do you want me to draw it for you? All right. I know you guys love my drawing, so here's Adam, which represents whatever your failure was, whatever your Adam moment was, okay? And then here's the river, right? And it's flowing to your present and, uh, and this river is just carrying stuff, you know. This, this was the fall right here. This was the mess up. This was the season of your life you weren't crazy. This is the season of your life you didn't have Jesus. This is the season of your life you made bad decisions and scarred your life and didn't know how it was going to affect everybody that you were here with today and in your family and all this stuff. And this river is carrying a curse It, it, it happened back there, so it's still flowing into your today, and so it's affecting you here right now. But when you step in with the Lord, you step in the waters, and you ask Him to redeem your Adam moment. I apologize if there's an Adam in the place. You know, we're just using this as an illustration. You know, <laughs> if the Lord, you know, if you redeem this moment if you go in past time with jesus and you invite him and you invite his presence into that moment what happens is the river stops right here and the curse no longer starts flowing the curse stops and what you will experience here now is blessing Because you stopped it back here, and it changes here. Now, I'm not saying that the very act is stopped, okay? It's still in the book. He still ate of the fruit that he wasn't supposed to eat. That still happened. But you know what is no longer following us? The curse. Because those who have used our faith today to connect with the work of Jesus here, that curse of Adam has no more right, no more place to keep flowing into our lives, and so there are things, and there are times in our life that when you get saved, you have Egypt moments, Red Sea moments, and you don't, you didn't even have faith, and boom, it happened, boom, it changed, right, it it, it just like all of a sudden, all the addictions were gone. All of a sudden, you know, this bad habit was gone. All of a sudden, those thoughts were gone. Boom. It was, a, it was a Red Sea crossing moment. You didn't even have faith for it, but the Lord knew, you know, that was what you needed to see to know that he's real, that he loves you, and that he's powerful, and there's nothing impossible for him. But there are things in your present today that are not fully redeemed that God is saying, hey... In order to go into your promised land, in order to take your territories, in order for the calling that I have for you to be fulfilled, you need to participate and get your feet wet in some things here and cooperate with me to go redeem these moments in the past because your intimacy issues today, they're not from today. They're not from your spouse. They're not from any of that. They're from... Way back when you were a child. And stuff happened that shouldn't have happened. And so intimacy of God cannot flow to you because it was hurt back here. I want to prosper you. I want to give you more than enough. You have a great calling to finance the kingdom of heaven and to be this generous entrepreneur. And I want to use you in so many ways. But guess what? You can't step into that because... Right back here, the way you grew up and the things you saw and the toxic beliefs and the hurts and the wounds and and the poverty and all that Egypt stuff stayed inside of you. And it's still in you. And we need to stop it at Adam so that something different, my blessing, can now flow into your life and take you in this promised land. Because the only way to take this promised land is if you cooperate in faith. Hmm, isn't God good? So how do we do this, you know? Well, they invited the presence of God right there in the present as they were crossing. They invited the presence of God, and that's where the presence of God led. That's why we need to ask the Holy Spirit. There's no rule book. There's no, all right, we're going to start with everybody at eight years old. No. Remember, there's something really Uh, meaningful, Huh. that's that's the wrong word. Uh, There's something very uh, powerful about the meaning that we give things, okay? And so that's why we can't say, all right, this is just, this is a one size fits all thing. Because our uniqueness, the events that happen in our life, we give them different meanings. And those meanings are the ones that Affect us today. And so only the Holy Spirit would know. Sometimes you don't even know. All you see is something you don't like, something that frustrates you, an invisible wall, a glass ceiling.